What's up? What's up? What's up? Good morning. Good evening, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Triple H Ministry. What's up, everybody? Yeah. That's my hair's cut, beard shaved. <laughs> 07 JD, what's happening, everybody? What's happening? What's happening? So we will be going through First Corinthians chapter 15 tonight um, and try and unpack as much of that as possible. So Mark is uh, running a couple minutes later. He'll be in in the next five five minutes or so and then we will get straight into it we will get straight into it what's up selena good to see you what's up andrew what's up jay to the t <laughs> what's up okay good to see you good to see everybody elizabeth god bless you eugene what's up daphne hello emily hello carissa what's happening it's not just jd tonight no Mike will be in in a few minutes. So we're going to go through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. What's up, Shelly? What's up, Tamira? Good to see you. Rhonda, what's happening? Good, good, good. We got the, the whole family. We got the whole family here, which is awesome. Good to see you all. Blessed. Blessed to see you all. It's a new week. Uh, new edition. Well, Tuesday for me, but still, the week is new. The week is new. Praise Jesus for that. We can slay demons once again. Good to see you, Gail. What's up, Kiera? Good to see you, my sister. I'm another mister. Absolutely blessed to be here with you guys. So, how's everybody been? How has everybody been? Get all the talking you can before my comes in. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. I mean, he gets on a roll. He gets on a roll, eh? Let's, we, let me just tell you something. We can't make Mike do anything. Uh, no one can make me eat a pickle. So there's absolutely no way. Colossians is brilliant. It's an awesome book. Colossians and Galatians are the two books I've studied the most. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. Family's healthy. Kids are healthy. So that is, uh, that's always a blessing. Now the weekend was quiet. Unfortunately, my wife had to work the whole weekend. So... And when I say quiet, I mean, my son didn't break everything. <laughs> he only broke a few things. What's up, Kat? Good to see you, my sister. Yeah, so my son only managed to break you know, a couple things. Not not all things. So, yeah, he's, he's ruling the roost at school. He's doing well. No. No, Thomas, you don't love pickles. You're deceived. Yeah, exactly. Baby Hulk is is exactly it. <laughs> Found what I've been looking for and that Jesus Christ, my Lord. 
Wow, that's awesome. Awesome stuff, Micah. Awesome stuff. Praise Jesus for that, man. Thanks for the gift. So 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we're going to go through that tonight. The gospel, the gospel chapter. Paul delivers the gospel to the church at Corinth and the simplicity which is in Christ. <clears throat> so very, very important, very important Bible chapter. Why? <laughs> For multiple reasons. And and when we unpack, when we unpack, so I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we'll have the parallel up um, because when we unpack this, it's, it's more than Paul just giving us the gospel because there are 58 58 chapters in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 58 verses to unpack in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And the importance of this is Paul is establishing what the gospel does in the first few verses. Well, half of the chapter. He establishes the witnesses, the eyewitnesses to the resurrection and he establishes the saving power of the resurrection of Christ Jesus and why we cannot rely on anything other than the finished work of Jesus Christ. None of your works will save you. None of your good deeds will save you. None of the things that you used to have faith in will save you. All that will save you was accomplished by our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Absolutely all that will save you was accomplished by our Lord and Savior. This is why we can refer to Jesus Christ as the Savior of the world. He has come to save. He has come to save sinners. He has come to save those who oppose themselves, those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Does anyone have a recommendation for a good Bible study guide? I don't. <laughs> so I should probably not have read that out loud, but no, I don't have a, there are so many, um, pick one and, and, and roll with it. If it doesn't work for, work for you, pick another one. So that's, that's what we're doing tonight. We're going through 1 Corinthians chapter 15. I'll start it off because, um, and when Mark gets in, we'll, we'll put it up on screen, but let's, if you've got your Bibles with you, um, again, it doesn't really matter what translation you are reading this in because the gospel's clear in in all or not all but majority of the translations the gospel message is absolutely clear <clears throat> sorry i've got a frog in my throat so 1 corinthians chapter 15 and me as always reading from the kjv says moreover brethren i declare unto you the gospel which i preached unto you which also ye have received and wherein ye stand by which also ye are saved if you keep in memory what i preached unto you unless you have believed in vain for i delivered unto you first of all that which i also received how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures that he was buried and that he rose again on the third day according to the scriptures so the the importance yeah the emphasis what where what are you saved by you're saved by believing 
that Christ died for your sins, according to the scriptures. Which scriptures? Multiple Old Testament scriptures. So when Paul makes reference to the scriptures, Paschrafe, in the Greek, he's talking about the Old Testament writings because New Testament canon wasn't scripture yet. This epistle that he wrote to the Corinthians wasn't considered scripture by Paul. Um, it would then become scripture um, because of the relevance and the Holy Spirit we can see clearly working through the Apostle Paul as he delivers this message. He goes on in the very next verses to explain the eyewitness accounts. So when it comes to this whole sky daddy uh, imaginary friend in the sky that, that people um, love to throw at Christians, this is this is a eyewitness account. Look, look at look at what Paul says from verse five. He says, "And that he was seen of Cephas, then of the twelve. So he was seen of Peter. After that, he was seen of above five hundred brethren at once. So Jesus Christ appeared again. The resurrected Christ appeared again to over five hundred people, all at once, all at once, and." This is a big thing because those 500 people that witnessed the resurrected Christ went on and told people that they saw Jesus Christ alive. So this whole lie of, uh, nah, uh, Jesus Christ wasn't uh, really raised from the dead. Uh, they stole his body and all the hoopla that comes with uh, with the naysayers. We can see uh, very clearly that there were 500 people, 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. And, and the term here, fallen asleep, is they have died in the flesh. Some have died in the flesh, but most of the people that witnessed the resurrected Christ are still alive to talk about it at this point in time. And after that, he was seen of James and then of the apostles. So... The half-brother of Christ, James, was also one who witnessed the resurrected Christ. And James then went on to establish the church at Jerusalem. He went on and established the church at Jerusalem. And most of you know James for James' famous epistle, the book of James, which we've gone through multiple times on this podcast. So he was seen of James, and he was seen of all the apostles. And then last of all, he was seen of me, also as one born out of due time. Acts 9. Acts chapter 9, we see Paul have an encounter with Jesus Christ on the Damascus Road. And this is where it all changes. Saul of Tarsus becomes the apostle Paul testifying to the gospel of God's grace, testifying about the resurrected Christ Jesus. So here's something important that I want you to that, that I want you to take note of 75 people on the live right now. Look at what look at the words that Paul uses here. He says, and last of all, last of all, he was seen of me. And then he goes on to say, for I am the least of the apostles and I'm not me to be called an apostle because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. So when we speak of these modern day apostles or these that claim they are apostles of Christ. Or that they have been given the apostolic calling of Christ. 
game. We point to this very passage here. Paul clearly says he was the last, the last apostle. He was the last apostle to be called of Christ. He was the last apostle to witness the resurrected Christ. No apostles after Paul witnessed the resurrected Christ. So apostolos in the Greek, again, to be sent out, those that are sent out. If someone is an apostle today um, or considers themselves to be an apostle today, that's fine. Be an apostle. But recognize the fact that you are not anything like the 12. That apostolic calling that office is closed. That is closed. The business area, the business end of the competition has come to a close. So in that sense, when we look at apostles or disciples, doesn't both in, in whatever context, depending on the context you read it, we are apostolos. We are sent out. So when, when Jesus Christ said, make disciples of all nations, he could have said you can make apostles of all nations in that very passage. Again, it still would not have meant that they would be apostles like the 12 apostles. These apostles were called and were chosen by Christ himself. They witnessed and had a conversation with the resurrected Christ. No one alive today, even if they claim they have, has had a conversation with the resurrected Christ Jesus. No, we have the writings of the apostles and the writings of Paul to guide us along the way in terms of biblical understanding, in terms of walking out our faith, in terms of living in fellowship and unity with our brothers and sisters in Christ. As he says in Philippians, let us be like-minded. Let us be like-minded. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let our minds be of one accord when it comes to the correct interpretation of the Bible. Again, I'm not picking on anyone's age. I understand some people read into the Bible and eisegesis is inevitable. Um, when you're a young in the faith, you have these little flashy moments and you think the Holy Spirit has revealed something to you in scripture that no one else has seen. The Holy Spirit does not operate in this way. The Holy Spirit does not operate in this way. It doesn't give you quick flashes in the pan and tell you, here's an idea, run with it. No, we're told by John in first John to test every spirit to make sure that it is from God. So don't listen to your conscious, um, your conscience every single time you get an idea and you think, Oh, this must be the Holy spirit. No, it's not always the Holy spirit. Your mind and your heart are deceiving and you will, you will be deceived by yourself. If you don't follow proper biblical hermeneutic processes, and that is to extract the text we we look at the text we read the text then we bridge the gaps because there's this chasm these these bridges we have to we have to work through the chronological gaps we have to work through the the uh historical gaps we have to work through the textual gaps what was he saying in the context to the people he was saying it to once we've understood the passage who it was written to and why it was written to them then we can look at modern day application that is the last step in biblical hermeneutics. It's not the first step. 
today we see people read the text and then jump straight to application. We can't do that. We have to look at the cultural, the cultural text here. What happened? Who is Paul speaking to? And why is he addressing them in this way? So yeah. Mike said he'll be here now. I'm here. What's up? I'm all, listen, I was Ooh. running behind already. Can y'all hear me good? Okay, good. This sounds good. I, um, I was already running behind because my son was at church until 8.30 tonight, and the podcast starts at 8.30. But then I'm also on the new computer setup. So then I got here, and I'm like, uh-oh, I need to get the speakers plugged up because I couldn't really hear um, anything because it's coming from, like, the computer mic. But I trust that JD's held it down. I'm Teach, teach, brother. Teach. Let's hear it. Yeah, it's it's uh, we we we're only we're only at at verse ten, one Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse ten. Some people have asked if you can put up the interlinear, the ESV, and the KJV, and um, yeah, we're only at verse ten, but we can recap. We can recap. So, what I've basically said, and then I'm I'm gonna let Mark Mark put emphasis uh, on on it as well. But what we've gone through is the gospel declaration by the apostle Paul, and. Then he's explained to us the witnesses that saw the resurrected Christ. And then he's explained that office, that office of apostle. Um, and again, when, I, when, when Mark and I were chatting off air about 1 Corinthians chapter 15, I said, you know, this is actually a good episode uh, for a podcast. Because in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, we see the entirety of the gospel and that office of apostle. So... Not only are we refuting those who claim to be apostles and prophets today um, by reading the word of God, but ultimately we trust that there is someone in the chat, someone in the chat who will hear the gospel message and that their hearts will be opened up and that they would come to the knowledge of the truth of Christ Jesus and believe the gospel and be saved because that's why we do this. We want to see people saved. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, I'm actually really sad right now that I've missed 24 minutes of time with JD. You guys too, but I I feel like I I interact with you guys way more than I get to see JD, and I'm all sad right now because JD over here spitting hot fire like Dylan, and um I've only I only get now an hour with him. It's so unfair. Yeah, yeah. I don't like this there. new camera right now because it's super zoomed in on my face, and it's like yo back up, bro. It's really far from me, but it's all in my face. And I'm seeing my cell phone camera. Like, it's weird. I need to be like JD is back here sometimes. That's what I'm going to do. All right. I had to get this all pulled up. But all right. We got the interlinear up. And I mean, listening to what you guys. Oh, I should probably actually go to the correct spot, right? That would make sense. Did you put a – here's my question. The one spot I like to put a lot of focus in right here, the unless you believed in vain. Um, yeah. And I, and I, I always, I, I don't want to repeat anything JD said, so I'm just going to add like two things. And if he said these things, deal with it. Um, my big focus is one, unless you believed in vain. And also now I would remind you. And the reason why you might be like, that's not something super to be like, this is what I want to put my focus on, but it is because it helps us also with understanding why things are being written the way they are. Paul isn't presenting the gospel for the first time to these people. Um, it's not like, here's the gospel that saves that you didn't know about. He said, I would like to remind you, this is the gospel I preached to you, right? Because I'm, I don't know if JD touched on this, but there are some people that treat it as if, if you don't present the gospel exactly as it says in first Corinthians 15, one through four, that you're not preaching the gospel. 
because you know Romans 10:9 is not the gospel and and Matthew this and this this and that that's not the gospel. And there are people out there that do that. Uh they become legalists with the doctrine even though they believe in faith alone. And I want you to understand that the word gospel means good news. This is a good summary of it, but even in this summary um, JD, did you walk them through what scriptures he's referencing or did you just basically yeah. kind of hit on that? Okay. Yeah. I said multiple, multiple scriptures. We've oh, got, yeah, we've got Zechariah, we've got Isaiah, we've got Psalms. So there, there are, there are multiple, but what I put emphasis on is, is that Paul is referring to old Testament scripture. He's not referring yeah. to anything in his epistles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that's the thing that you want to understand is he's teaching right here that, you know, the scriptures, right? You talk about the, the Old Testament. So, yeah, I love that. And it's not even Old Testament. At that point, it's the Bible. I can't stand when people separate the Old Testament from the Bible. And like you'll hear <laughs> completely unrelated to this, but you'll hear someone say something like, uh, what did what did the church do before they had the Bible? There's never been a time where Christianity didn't have a Bible because we came from Judaism and Judaism had a Bible. There's never been a time. Let me say it one more time real slowly. There has never been a time where Christianity did not have a Bible. Now, we didn't have a mass produced Bible. We didn't have, uh, uh, you know, something that we could uh, all have sitting on our shelves collecting dust behind us like a lot of Christians do today. But we had scripture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yeah, you touched on that and then believe in vain. And that's the thing is that I just went live earlier and we talked about it. Um, in 2 Corinthians, Paul tells us, you know, godly grief produces uh, repentance that leads to salvation. But the next verse is about worldly grief, right? Amen. Because someone asked me earlier, JD, in my live stream, I'm, I was, I'm in the middle of trying to edit the video because I snipped it. Um, why would someone go to church if they don't really believe? And I think that sometimes when we talk about vain belief, we don't define that enough that maybe people think we're talking about people that are just straight up lying. And yeah, you're right. That probably sounds yeah. weird. Why would they go to church? Just, no, no, no. We didn't say they don't believe. They believe in the wrong thing. Their, their belief yeah. is in that other thing, right? And this is why JD and myself are so adamant against churches stepping outside of the gospel because if you bring them in Amen. for anything, other than the gospel, then there's a chance that they're there for something other than the gospel. Period. Yeah, that would preach. Recently, and I don't know the context of it, but it's a pastor on stage, and he's got two ladders, and he's standing on both ladders at the same time, talking about like I don't know, he's doing something for imagery, and I get it, mm. but at the same time, I'm trying to think like, why? Why is that necessary? God's word don't need that much extra. Like modernize a parable, sure, so people understand context. But God didn't need, don't need you to add your two cents to it because people can believe yeah. in vain because of the things that not on purpose, but because it was presented to them in vain. Ooh, that's what it is, yeah. JD. People that's that believe it. in vain, they're often because they got it presented in vain. Someone said they got a yeah, they got a nancified, sissified Jesus. Um, and the gospel was watered down to an analogy or, or imagery or come to Jesus because it's a cool thing to do. And, and try what you Jesus. see, yeah, try. Yeah, yeah, try Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What That's what Mike Todd actually said once. Why don't you give try it a try Jesus for a minute? Yeah, I want to slap yeah. any words that come out of any. No, what do you mean give Jesus a try? He's the king of kings. What do you mean give him a try? People, no, for real, yeah, JD, someone asked earlier, and this is what I said. How many people, and I'll ask this chat. We have, what, 91 people in here? And we got 44 over on TikTok. If you're not on YouTube, you can't participate in the comment section, but um, link in the bio. But uh, how many of you have heard this gospel, this presentation? Um, life is hard. 
but Jesus knows what you're going through. He knows exactly oh, yeah. what you're going through, oh. through the persecutions oh. of your life based on your, you know, whatever oh. things that you have wrong in your life, whether it's relationship or uh, race or gender or whatever. And, and, or, or just normal persecutions of life. Jesus knows what it's like and you can come to him and he's going to help you out. Your life will get better. You will find peace. Yeah. All these words are keywords that do belong in the gospel. So some Christians will say, what's wrong with that? So that's the thing they, that those Christians hear those things and like, well, that is true. And I had someone even push back a little bit like, well, Jesus did cure my depression. That's all they heard. I didn't say he doesn't cure these things. He is all these things, but not if that's what you're going for. If you're going to Jesus because, oh, well, he's my anxiety pill or my depression yep. pill or my coping yep. mechanism or my safety blanket or my pacifier. That's not the Jesus that we go to. We don't go to Jesus to fix our current life. We go to Jesus to abandon our current life and gain the new life in him. This is why worldly mm. grief doesn't save you. And that's why there's mm -hmm. people in your church right now that believe in vain because they came to him because they needed, they wanted that, that, that anxiety pill, that personal Lord and savior between me and him only. And he cures my problems so I can live this life the best I can. The Joel Osteen guy. There we go. There we go. That, that'll preach all day, every day. I, had to, I feel day. like JD was firing when I was gone, JD. So I had to come in and bring some, Oof, you know, man, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's so good when you're not there and you come in and you put emphasis on everything I've already said, but here's the point that, that nowhere in the scriptures will you find a single time where Paul or James or Peter or none of them say, invite Jesus into your heart and make him your personal Lord and savior. This is not found anywhere in the text. He is your Lord. Whether you serve him or don't, get that in your head. Like to every any atheist who's just happened to pop Christianity in, is Jesus about is your Lord. <laughs> we're Man, we're trying to get Lord. you to confess it. That doesn't mean it ain't true. Let me try and move this. Yeah, camera. yeah. I mean, um, Jesus Christ is Lord of all. So let's. You know how many times people push this. back at me on that one, OJD? They get so yeah. offended when I say Jesus isn't your personal Lord and Savior. They say, yes, he is, though. Like, I get <laughs> what you're saying, and I'm not trying to knock that. And, and I do. But what I'm saying is he's not your Lord and Savior. He's the Lord and Savior. He's He's everyone's Lord and Savior. And sometimes I think people do get stuck in the mindset of the forgetting that Jesus loves that person you hate just as much as you think he loves you. Like, Amen. He, 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 he don't hate that person just because you hate him. Yeah. Amen. And amen. Amen, Ooh, my brother Kenny. Took it away from me. That was good. And and we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. The the resurrection and why it's so important. Because we see Christ is raised to life for our justification. Um, and if Christ is not risen, well, like I said, we're gonna get there in uh verse uh where are you 10. at that? You're at 10. Let me make sure yeah. this is following me over here. It is. All right. You go ahead and you, you jump uh, jump back in real quick while I go see if there's a setting to back this camera up off my face a little bit. <laughs> so so we, we see, yeah, that, that Paul says he was the last of the apostles to be called. and But by the grace of God, he is what he is. Because, again, there we see the grace that was bestowed upon him was not in vain. There we see it again. Was not in vain. The ESV says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am, and his grace toward me was not in vain. Notice how both 
translations say in vain because this in the Greek, again, the translation to English is limited to that. There is no way to word this any other way, but having vain faith or fake faith or a plastic faith will lead you down a path where you're sitting on a podcast and deconstructing from your faith and eating Skittles while telling people you once believed in a sky fairy. This is this is what happens to vain faith. Vain faith makes you look stupid and foolish to the whole to the whole world because you've come in, you've proclaimed the goodness of Christ more than likely, spoke in tongues, fell on the floor, had demons cast out of you, and then a hop and a skip to the other side of the river, and now you're deconstructing your faith. That's that's what happens to these people. Whenever I see someone on on TikTok busy with a deconstruction live, I just and I tell them you were never saved. They get angry. Yes, I was. So, you don't so know angry. Me. You know, that's funny so that you say that, JD. Why? Why are so they so angry. angry? Yeah. Like, why are you so angry if, you, if you're if you deconstructing from it? Like, what is the what? You could just. Is he frozen for everybody or just me? Oh, no, and you see, there's the lie. Frozen, <laughs> chosen, frozen. So there's the deceit. The deceit <laughs> lies in 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 the fact that they go, "I was saved, I was saved, but now I've come to the knowledge of the truth that there is no God." I actually sent you a video earlier. I don't know if you've had a chance to look at it yet, but definitely so much to unpack with what what she's saying there oh, on i didn't click on, on it yet yeah i know what you're talking yeah, about yeah it's another deconstructioning you know, deconstruction de deconstructionizing deconstructionist deconstructionist anyway yeah. but uh that's that's the point so moving on uh without taking too much time on that uh we see that in again that in that word in vain so the grace that God gave to Paul wasn't in vain and his faith in the finished work of Christ wasn't in vain. Then he goes on in verse 11 to say, therefore, whether it were I or they, so we preach and so he believed. We say that louder for the people at the back. Whether it was I or they, so we preached, so you believed. Literally, Amen. word for word, almost the same in the ESV and the KJV. That's why I say when, and again, just just to quickly, I'm not going. I'm just going to touch on this with those people that with with preferring certain translations or elevating certain translations. This this chapter is a perfect example of why you shouldn't do that, because uh, word for word, we can see the exact same thing being preached here. Verse 12, now if Christ be preached that he rose from the dead, how say some among you that there is no resurrection from the dead? But if there is no resurrection from the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is vain and your faith is also vain. So just those three verses. Paul, they, they were, they were uh, Philetus and, and Hymenaeus who were walking around. Um, and Paul mentions them again later on. In, in, in 2 Corinthians, they were walking around and they were they were preaching that Jesus, that the resurrection from the dead wasn't a physical resurrection and that you were, it, it's a heresy that crept into the church then and still, still creeping around now where people say it's not a physical event. Your physical body will not be raised from the dead. And, and Paul's saying, yo, 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 his physical body walked out of the grave. 
Jesus didn't visit us in spirit, man. He didn't come to us like a ghost. He came to us physically. We exactly. saw him physically. What does Thomas say when he sees the, the resurrected Christ? He sees his hands. He sees his feet. He sees the, the hole in his side. And he knows, my Lord and my God. My Amen. Lord and my God. So Paul is defending the heresy that is going around that the resurrection isn't a physical thing. We will all be raised physically. And this is the promise of Jesus Christ. I don't know Amen. what you want to touch on there. No, bro, you killing it, bro. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, I'm a fan today. I'm in the stands watching. <laughs> whoop, whoop. I'm going to be your MC. I'm going to just be your, that and guy. Let me see. Okay? <laughs> Let me get my soundboard back up. Man, I don't even know why I'm not soundboarded, bro. That's all I need to do today. Just soundboard that guy. Damn, son. And then we see damn, verse son, 15. Damn, Look. son. There we go. That's the one. That's the one. <laughs> These heretics. <laughs> Every time. Where are we at? Where Here we, we at? go. Verse 15. Yeah. We are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, whom he raised not. If so, be that the dead rise not. Let's just read it in English for the, the modern day, those who understand English the way we understand English. We are even found to be misrepresenting God. So guess what? If you're preaching, and this is what exactly what he says, unless you've believed in vain, so if someone is preaching a doctrine that is contrary to Christ's resurrection, you've got a huge problem. A huge problem. Because here we see misrepresenting God because we have testified about God that he raised Christ whom he did not raise. And if it is true that the dead are not raised. So there we have it in multiple Sorry, I was translations. Up, I, I, was, I just wanted yeah, to see, because uh, I enjoy the LEB and the CSB. So I was like, let me just open them up. Why not? <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And look at look at it. Across the board, we see the same thing. The KJV, the ESV, the LEB, the CSB, all the same. Yeah. For if the dead hey, are not raised, Christ has not been raised either. Yeah, man, that's, that's, that's really cool. Four Bibles. What up? <laughs> and if Christ be now. not raised, your faith is vain and ye are yet in your sins. That's that's one of my favorite favorite passages in, in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 15, chapter 17. If, well, right before that, for if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. Such strength right there that he, Paul just shuts them down. Like, what are you saying? What are you saying right now? Yeah. Exactly. I mean, and, and let's 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 unpack this because ultimately what we're called to do is 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 present an exposition of the scriptures to you. So when we look at this this whole vain belief, dead faith, and Christ not being risen, everything here, everything that Paul has said to us in the in the very opening verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 points to faith alone in Christ alone everything there is nothing in this gospel message that insinuates even in the slightest way that you can be saved by something you do nothing we are completely 1000 percent dependent on the resurrection of christ jesus and 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 this is why i say when we go to these i see christians in these lives on tiktok 
your God is for slavery. And they're like trying to argue with people that say your God is for slavery or your God is a misogynist or, or your God is for genocide, whatever the case may be. Let's just dismiss those for a second and let's talk about the resurrection of Christ Jesus. So if, if your entire worldview of God or your entire view of God is based on a chapter in Exodus, you're saying you don't know God <laughs> at all. That's all but you're saying. I learn more every day about how people read scripture and it's so sad. Like right before we the podcast started, uh, there's a guy that I was responding to that quoted Philippians uh, 2 without finishing the sentence, which is a big pet peeve of mine. And his response was, I didn't uh, divide the verses that way. I just, you know, I'm just reading it how it's written. We don't read that way. We're The grammar. I don't care if they put seven verse numbers. If a sentence is from here to here, it's a complete thought. You can't just by, well, you know, they put a verse number here. Verse numbers are for location purposes. I hope you all understand that the verse numbers were not chosen for any reason to help you like build a doctrine. It is 100% so that I can send you somewhere like, hey, oh, you're looking for that passage? That would be Romans chapter 8, verse 32. I can send you there. So, yeah, that is blah. But um, I opened this up, JD, because you were pointing out the vein uh, several times, right? And I wanted to pull, uh, pull it open, Um, which where's that word at? We were just looking at vein. Here it is, Canaan. And when we look at the definition of it, empty and then also meta, you know, uh, metaphorically empty in moral content, and then vain, ineffective, foolish, worthless, um, no purpose, unreal, pretentious, hollow. So when the Bible talks about, because the Bible talks about vain faith a lot, it actually uses vain for a lot of things, taking his name in vain. What is taking his name in vain? It's not about speaking his name. It's about taking on that name as one of his people and being this ineffective, foolish, worthless, uh, uh, no purpose, pretentious, hollow. And people look at you like, oh, you represent God? You took his name in vain. And then he, belief in vain. A, a, a vain belief is ineffective faith, foolish faith, worthless faith. This sounds like what John describes and James describes, doesn't it? It's almost like James is showing you what vain faith looks like versus ooh, what vain faith looks like versus real living faith. Cause vain, cause James talks about faith yeah. that's dead and that, you know, hollow ineffective. And so does John. So um, just an important thing I wanted to point out there. And then you also said something right after that. Um, I wanted to look at something raised. I wanted to see if there's awake or rouse raise up. Okay, no, I just wanted to see something real quick. But all right, yeah, my bad. I just wanted to uh, throw the definition of vain uh, out there when we were reading. Yeah, absolutely. Amen. <coughs> and I mean, this, is, this is like some people be throwing sunflower seeds in the middle of the ocean um, and, and expecting, you know, sunflowers to grow in the middle of the ocean. It's not going to happen. Uh, and, and this is exactly... This is exactly why we also we pick our battles as Christians, and and you've got to use you've got to use whatever whatever you whatever topic, or whatever you're trying to refute has to be for the purpose of conversion. It's it's not to get one over on someone, and and this is this is what Paul is explaining to the Corinthians here. If if someone has come to you preaching something that is contrary to this, this is the gospel. 
He opens up with it. He says, we preach Christ crucified. That's what he says to the Corinthians earlier on. I have claimed to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. In this very chapter, uh, in this very uh, epistle of 1 Corinthians, he says that. He explains to them what, what good works are for the Christian. He explains that the good works don't save them. He, he goes through this in depth. And now we're, we're getting to the latter parts of his letter. And now he's going, whoa, now we've got, now we've got to contend with people saying that, yo, Jesus Christ isn't a physical, he didn't physically raise from the dead. And believers of Christ won't physically rise from the dead. What is this? This mm -hmm. is ludicrous. How am I even dealing with this at this point in your walk? And he, go, he goes on to emphasize this. He goes on to emphasize this because he says in verse 18, then they also which are fallen asleep in Christ are perished. So everybody who's died in Christ did it for nothing and it was all pointless. If in this life, listen to this, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. Of all men we are most miserable and and this is to and why do you think it the, the faith and loan crowd comes under so much attack from these fake apostles and these fake prophets and these hyper charismatics we receive a lot of hate mark and i receive a lot of hate from this group of people because of all men we are most miserable because we have placed our faith in christ alone our only hope is the finished work of Jesus Christ. Nothing we do on this podcast or there or fundraisers and, and the helping out and the reaching out and every little thing we do, we do to give God the glory. And this is why we don't boast about the things we do, but we boast in the goodness of Christ. And we will be hated for his name's sake, not for our name's sake, for his name's sake. And then he goes on to say, but now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept for since by man came death by man came also the resurrection of the dead and then and, and, and mark gonna drop the second adam bomb if you guys haven't seen that video of his which was really really good that live stream where he was talking about the first and second adam and here we see that reference again for as in adam all die even so in christ shall all be made alive but every man in his own order christ the first fruits afterward they that are Christ's at his coming. Whoa, what, Paul? You're not going to be vague about this. You're going to tell us when? Yes, your physical body will be resurrected at the second coming of Christ. That's when. That's when you will receive your glorified body. That's when it will be risen from the ground. So he's not, and then this is why we cannot preach if we're not exposing it, if it's not expository, it's not preaching because here he says, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. What Amen. he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God, even the father, what God is triune. You got, that's gotta be, that's gotta be a topo. Even the father, when he shall have put down all rule and all authority and power. And from here we can go, Amen. And from there we can, go to, we, can go we can go to Colossians, we can go to Galatians, we can go to Ephesians, and we can see all of these, these, 
these emphasis uh, that, that Paul brings out that what Jesus Christ is the firstborn from the dead. He is the first first fruits. He has preeminence. So this is not something that he's going to attain. Jesus Christ is the ruling Christ at the right hand of the father. It's, Satan's not making a comeback, guys. It's not, it's not, it's, <laughs> there's, there's no way this ends any other way. This is only going to end the way which God has already ordained it to end. And as we see in the scriptures, very, very clearly, yeah, the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. What's that mean? What did Jesus Christ promise? Jesus Christ promised eternal life. Jesus Christ promised to all believers eternal life. This is not to say that if you die now and you go to heaven, that is not your, your eternal life hasn't started yet. Your eternal life hasn't started yet. It is at the second coming of Christ where your life begins in your new glorified body given to you by God. God did not design us to die. That was not the, that was not the purpose. The purpose for God creating us was to show off his marvelous wonder and for us to dwell with him forever this Amen. is why david says i will dwell in the house of the lord forever my cup runneth over and i will dwell in the house of the lord forever these they understood this principle because that's why god created us he created us to be with him for all eternity and and this is why when we look at these agnostics and these atheists who go well, if I'm if he's all loving and all merciful, and and I'm just being a good person, and then uh and he throws me in hell, then he isn't really all loving, is he? Uh, well, so you don't understand God. <laughs> so you don't understand God's love without saying you don't understand God's love, because in order for God to be perfectly loving, he has to be perfectly just. In order for God to be perfectly loving he has to be perfectly perfectly vengeful on all evil and 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 this is this is a hard pull for a lot of christians to swallow is is we've got people who are walking in among us they're walking among us they 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 claim they know christ and and yet they're reprobates when it comes to placing their faith in christ because if we put our faith in one another that that in itself is a mistake. We we don't put our faith in one another. We encourage one another with the word of God. And we build one another up with the word of God. Um anyway, I'm gonna let So Mark when people talk read this, JD, I wonder what they actually think of because this is a statement that's actually said more than once. It's from the old testament. He's quoting um, well, he's not he's not specifically quoting right here, but it can be quoted from the old testament, it gets quoted in Hebrews. His enemies will be put under his feet. But what do we think of when we think of his enemies? Because I think a lot of people, when they close their eyes and think of their enemies, they think of Satan, they think of demons, false religions, uh, Hitlers, and all those people. But what does Romans 5 say? Romans 5, I have it somewhere, says in verse 10, for if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. His enemies were were us before we were in Christ and those that are not in Christ. You see, the, I think the devil's tried to teach this weird lie that we're all God's children. 
God just, he just so recklessly loves all of you because you're all God's children. He just wants to cuddle you up and kiss you and hug you. No, he loves the world in a way that we don't describe love anymore. Like I was having this little thought to myself earlier, JD, as I was driving about how like, I wonder how disappointed God is that we've conformed to the world on even how we look at things like love. So then we put God into the box of our love that we've designed. Like love's never been puppy dogs and flowers. That's like modern age technology, safety, comfort love. Our love is demonstrated because we have time to sit on a couch and cuddle like love in creation of everything is like not going to look like that. But yet we, we see this and we don't realize that God's love is also matched with, like you said, in order to have perfect love, he has to have these things that justice and wrath and vengeance because it goes with, with the love. Perfect love is going to do these things to protect those that he loves. And he loves his yeah. children. Therefore, if he loves his children and he loves his children perfectly to protect them, he must hate his enemies. And that's why the Bible says there are six things God hates. All those things are things that hurt his children, not him. A lying tongue can't hurt God. Hands that shed innocent blood, it ain't his blood. The only blood that he ever let shed was what he allowed to be shed. He put it on just to be shed. Like the things that yeah. God hates don't hurt him. It hurts his children. So yeah. at the end of the day, Amen. when we see the scriptures talk about his enemies, we fail to realize is that's every human being that's not in Christ too. Everyone that rejects the, the, the sacrifice of Christ, that rejects God, that stands in rebellion against God, um, they have Amen. decided their ground. You know, they, they've decided to be an enemy of God. Blows my mind. Like, I don't even know how. Like, I, it's crazy. <laughs> like, even if I didn't yeah. believe in God, I feel like that's not the thing that I would kind of like, you know what I mean? Press that button. I, I don't, yeah. even if I didn't believe in God. Like, I just wasn't, I don't feel like I'm the type of person that I would hedge my bet, at least to the point where like, all right, at least I didn't blaspheme him. I just was like, you know what? No, nah, I don't believe that. Like, that's in my mind how I would be a non-believer, but maybe I'm wrong because I have the Holy Spirit. So I can't imagine this audacity to hate God. And we see it every yeah. day, especially evangelists or apologists. You come across people that I had one guy that said to me, I hate God, but I one time confessed Jesus is my Lord. Am I still saved? The dude was arguing against eternal security as someone who hates God. Person hates God so much that he's on Christian TikTok arguing against Christian doctrine. And I also want you to hear that a person who hates God is arguing against eternal security. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Say it. Say it. Because here's the thing, right? And 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 just on this, on this, on this note is. And this is why I'm not a fan of people that walk around and go, Jesus loves you. Because, because when, when we, when you, you can walk around all day, every day telling people Jesus loves you, that that's fine. Uh, you can tell anyone Jesus loves you and they'll be like, okay, cool. Thanks. Appreciate. But, but tell people that, that Jesus Christ calls you to repentance and belief of the gospel. Then, whoa, 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 whoa. Now you've overstepped. I was okay with the dude loving me. But now, now, now you're calling me to repentance and belief. That's a problem. That's a problem. Amen. I didn't know if you were done there or not. I didn't want to cut you off. Yeah, I just wanted to add that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Where, where were we at? We we're at we're at verse whatever. I'll start twenty-five. For he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. 
the last enemy to be destroyed is death. For God has put all things in subjection under his feet. But when it says all things are put in subjection, it is plain that he is accepted who put all things in subjection under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him that God may be all in all. Otherwise, what do people mean by being baptized on behalf of the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, why are people baptized on their behalf? Why are we in danger every hour? I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. How many more verses are there so I can? It's weird trying to pick a stopping point with this. Uh, yeah, there's several. It's a, it's you know what I mean? Chapter. Let me see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How many verses are there in this one? 58. Oh, goodness. Okay, let me go back to wherever we were at. Where were we at? I protest, brothers, by my pride in which you... Yeah, yeah. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus, our Lord. I die every day. And I'm going to finish it right about here. What do I gain if, humanly speaking, I fought with beasts at Ephesus if the dead are not raised? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Oh, no, that's the right spot. All right, let me go back. Yeah. I don't even remember where we're at. Where are we at? Or where we start at? We start, oh, the last enemy. Here we go. Yeah. All right, do you want to talk about, uh, so the sun being under subjection, and, and I know that you wanted to dive into this chapter, and you probably do a lot better on this part than me. <laughs> yeah. So so the last enemy that was destroyed is death. That's what we see for the resurrection there. For he hath put all things under his feet, but when he saith, all things are put under him. It is manifest that he is expected, which did put all things under him. And what, when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. So again, we see here very clearly, this is, this is to all of those Trinitarian haters. We see the perfect example of subordination of the son to the father but not in the not in the aspect that 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 the human mind can can fathom christ is in all and all things were created by christ for christ so again simple simple truth of the bible right here the simple truth is that god is triune god is triune so we see this laid out by the apostle paul very clearly without without any hint of hyperbole over here he's giving it very clearly this is what happens at the end and then we can move on to verse uh, 29 scroll down there there we go um, else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead if the dead rise not at all why are they then baptized for the dead and why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I protest by your rejoicing, which I have in Jesus Christ, our Lord, I die daily. So we look at these three verses and we see very clearly here, this is, this is it. When Paul speaks of one baptism, we have been renewed, regened by the Holy Spirit. We have been regened by the Holy Spirit. And because you are a believer, because you are in Christ, because you are 
putting your faith in him, you will come under conflict. But notice what he does say there. I protest by your rejoicing. Look at the ESV here. I protest, brothers, by my pride in you, which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord. I die every day. So, again, as brothers and sisters in Christ, what are we called to do? We're called to die to ourselves. What is he saying to us in Romans chapter 12? Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, presenting your bodies as living sacrifices. This is your acceptable worship unto God. Here he says it in verse 31. I die daily. So what is, what is one of the hardest things we have to do as Christians in this walk is that death to self. Mm -hmm. It is putting off the old man. It is not conforming to the pattern of this world. It is not buying into these ideologies and this woke left. Um, you know, it's a scary fact, just quickly digressing. You know that only 42% of American Christian pastors hold a biblical worldview? It's and up, only that number is slightly up too, because it was less than that, not that many, not that many years ago. And associate pastors, so the second in charge, only 22% of associate pastors hold to a biblical worldview. These are pastors in churches that are teaching people, and only 42% of them actually hold to a biblical worldview. That means of all the churches in America, we have got a <laughs> More than half of the churches in America are 54%, 50, sorry, 56% are walking around and preaching woke ideology in their sermons, introducing what has come in from the left, saying Jesus Christ has somehow evolved, the Bible is outdated. The Bible, Bible isn't inerrant. The Bible isn't God's word. I've, I've heard so many of, 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 of teachers that used to be good. They started on a good path. They started doing things the right way, and now they seem to be erring from the truth. And how does this happen? Again, we come right back to the very first four verses, vain belief. They got into it for the for the wrong reasons. And 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 this is again ultimately and and just let me preface this by saying if ever we are we are running anything that involves that involves money, it, it it's 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 always to further the kingdom of God. It's never for personal gain. And and like that's just that's just one thing we need to we need to use our discernment as as brothers and sisters in Christ. When you have decided to support a ministry or whatever the case may be, know why you're doing it, and it's to further the kingdom of God. It's not it's not for your own benefit or for their own benefit. It's to further the kingdom of God. We have a we have an urgent message that we have to share with the world, and mm -hmm. and. Again, again, yesterday I was, I was, I had the opportunity to, to, you know, preach to a lot of people on the streets yesterday. And the, the amount of people that don't understand the gospel. And, and this is why I say the, the whole telling someone Jesus loves them can be, re the response can be cool, thanks. Um, but which Jesus, the Mormon Jesus, 
Is this Isa, the Muslim Jesus? Uh, is it is it the Jesus that was created by the Jehovah's Witness God? Which Jesus loves them? So again, it's 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 a blanket statement, and ultimately, what does Isaiah say? God grows angrier with the wicked every single day. Does is that a message like we can't run around saying things like, hey, wear a cap that says Jesus loves you. That doesn't offend anyone. Wear a T-shirt that says only two genders. Now that'll get the people perked. And, and this is this is the reality of, of standing on scripture. It's, it's not always it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be straightforward. But but I admonish you guys to to stand up for truth. Because we, we're, we're falling, we're slipping. Uh, Christianity as a whole is slipping into this left woke ideology, this <clears throat> introducing non-biblical things into a biblical worldview is, is dangerous. And, and it, uh, we can go back to the, the water analogy by adding a few drops of urine into your fresh drinking water. You wouldn't drink it. So, so don't, don't drink up or eat up this fake piss water that has been created yeah i wanted to pull this up because J, uh, jd read obviously paul referencing dying every day right dying to self right and i just want to also emphasize i saw some people commenting in the comments uh the verse about baptism of the dead i hope you all understand this is not what the mormons talk about um so this is actually one of those things scholars are there's not a perfect agreement on so some believe that it may have been a practice in the early church because people died before being able to get baptized. And what they would do is if you died before you could get baptized, someone would get baptized on your behalf. Um, not to say that Paul was condoning it either because Paul's not commanding it or giving instruction for it. He's just acknowledging it. And then some believe that Paul is referring to dead as who we were before. Right. Because if 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 you read the entire context, he is basically saying if Christ did not raise, then we're all dead. Like he calls him, he literally in the following verses, he says, die to self twice. So if he's saying I die daily, he's referring to this death in a different way because he's literally let's go back to it. He's literally saying what? Um, right after he speaks about baptizing of dead, he then says, I die every day here. And then here he says, let us eat and drink for tomorrow we die. So some scholars believe this is more so him using that language that Jesus uses. Jesus said, let the dead bury the dead because those that are not in Christ are walking around dead, right? That's what the Bible refers to you. If you're not in Christ, you are a dead man walking. Ephesians 2 says, for you were dead in your sins. Um, uh, uh, I mean, like I said, it's constantly repeated over and over and over again. So what we, what I believe, this is where I line up at. I don't line up on the part where, I mean, maybe they did do some baptisms for the dead at some point because they thought that because they're new church and trying to figure things out. But I believe what Paul is referencing here, clearly based on context, is saying if Christ not be not risen, then these everything you're baptizing the dead for no reason. Like this is just it's dead. Um, now again. I might be wrong on that. I don't. I don't think I know everything. But let's go over to Romans twelve. I just wanted to. I wanted to go back there because I thought about some of y'all's comments. Um, Romans twelve, right? Talking about dying every day, dying to self every day. I love Romans twelve. The first just two verses. I think there's so much power right here. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, 
by the mercies of God to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. What is Paul doing? Is Paul saying you must do this or else you're not saved? People mix up two different types of messages in the Bible. We have the message of salvation, and then we have the message to the saved saints. Paul encourages the saints often. I appeal to you to do this. Run the race. Do this. Push forward. Present yourself blameless. And then there's put your faith in Jesus. You'll be saved. Don't confuse what Paul is saying to encourage the saints and drive them to be uh, uh, saints worthy of rewards. Because again, Paul's the one who literally teaches us that there are rewards in front of Christ. That when we, when we come before Christ, there is a judgment in that sense. But don't let people take what Paul right. used. Right here, this is not how to get saved. Paul did that already in Romans 4, Romans 5, Romans 8. Actually, if you look at Romans altogether, Romans 1 through Romans 4, a little bit of 5. Um, is actually no Romans. I'm sorry. I did that wrong. Romans one through eight is Jew. He's talking to the Jews. Then nine, he really wraps it up and brings it home. Cause he talks about Esau I loved and, and whatnot. And then he rolls into the Gentiles and rebukes them because you know, the olive tree, you can get cut off to chill out. And then right around Romans 12 is when he's going to switch from doctrine to how should you live? Living sacrifice, yeah. gifts of grace, marching through Christian, right? So this is not how to get saved. He did that already for the first 11 chapters. We can't take what he's about to say in these final chapters and say, oh, see, if you don't do this, you're not saved. This is Paul giving instruction. But right here, yeah. your bodies as a living sacrifice. What's a sacrifice? Like, let's just, uh, oh, I don't have this one linked. I hope it opens it up. Of course it doesn't. Of course. I blame you, JD. It's all your fault. Um, let's open up a B. I want to know how the Greek, why should not have the definition? I did all this work for nothing. Sacrifice. All <laughs> right, let's see. Uh, that's nothing. <laughs> and yeah. so upset. I'm really look, looking for a good definition because I want to really drive home that sacrifice, right? Because the way I define sacrifice probably won't hit deep enough. So now I'm even going to look up, uh, sacrifice in no. America in a dictionary so what you what you do here is 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 again we spoke about this the other day and that sacrificial love that christ you know loving your wife as christ loves the church again presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice again uh i sometimes Ooh. say as a loving sacrifice because if you're willing if you're willing to lay down your life in honor of the gospel if you're willing to lay down your life for your wife um, again, considering what Paul says, Christ who loved us, yet while we were still sinners, Christ laid down his life for us. So again, this living sacrifice is, is walking in that love. It's, it's being a walking example of mm -hmm. what a sacrificial love is. And, and if we just look up the word sacrifice, we can find an animal on an altar. And that that doesn't do that doesn't well, do justice to what Paul is saying here. Oh, yeah, not at all. So I, I was going to say that one of yeah. the good phrases I or one of the good words I found was submission, because when you look at it, 
submission of your entire body. Present your bodies as a living submission to God, of a sacrifice to God, of giving it to him. Uh, killing it is what we normally do, but why would why do you kill an animal to sacrifice it? Because you're basically giving that possession to God because you know it's dead, it goes to God, and that's how they think in their head. But it's giving something, right? And, and like JD said, sacrificial love. What do you give with sacrificial love? You're all to somebody. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So this is dying every day. You're presenting yourself to God every day. Every day you're waking up and saying, God, today it is, I give myself to you today. I will follow you today. I will pursue you. Um, and then verse two rolls into what I, I tell people all the time. When I first came back to the Lord in 2016, the two verses that I, I held onto so tightly were second Timothy chapter two, which I've quoted a million times. And this right here, because when I first read it, this is what I read. Look at everything as if it's the day Jesus was here. Like as if Jesus just left yesterday, look at everything that way. It doesn't matter what society says now, not just with the, not just with faith. I'm talking about with everything. Like we live in a generation now where, and I try to look at things this way. When people obsess over shoes, I just look at them like that's crazy. Cause that's, that's conforming to the world. The world has made shoes a, a collector's item. And I'm using something really stupid, but to make a point, right? We conform to the world all the time as Christians because we think as long as it's not something evil, I'm not conforming to the world. But when we put value in things that God didn't put value in, then we've conformed to the world. God didn't put yeah. value in a leather belt that has coach on it or Louis Vuitton. God didn't put value in diamonds. In fact, diamonds aren't even that big of a thing in the Bible. We see topazes and all these different gemstones. Diamonds is a rare one, but yet we've made it worth thousands that people will drop tens of thousands of dollars that people can eat with to have a diamond. And we do it for our wives. So don't act like we're not any different. Like as men, my point is conform to this world in everything. But he's saying, be not conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that repentance, that renewal of my mind. Everything should be looked at in a whole new mind. Give my life to him yeah. every day and look at everything differently. And it says, this is your spiritual worship. Meaning if I'm not doing this, it don't matter how much you sing. I know there's a, listen, I know that today is a society when there's a certain type of Christian existence in America where <clears throat> This might bother some people, but I like to be truthful about things. There's a certain type of Christian that loves to go to church and get their coffee and hang out with my boys and my girls. And it's all about just going there to listen to music. And, and, and don't get me wrong. I love the community aspect if everything else is included. But there are some people where that's like it. That night, right? And then if you if you say anything, well, it's joy and happiness and praising Jesus. And if you're praising Jesus, it can't be wrong. So if you tell someone like when that Asbury thing happened and I was like, you guys realize that they're just singing like I love that, too. But what else are they doing? What else is happening? Is it just singing? Because singing isn't worship in its own. Like lots of people could sing. People sing all the time. Yeah. Actually, like if singing is worship, then Beyonce gets worship all the time. Right. Like singing is not worship. Giving yourself to somebody is. And Beyonce does get that kind of worship. But we're not here to talk about that. Um, but my point is is are you giving your entire all to God or are you just giving the pieces that are convenient and easy? I love music and singing. That's not, not me. I'm talking about, I'm talking for y'all. If I sing for God, that's me giving something I don't like to give. I don't like to sing. I don't even sing at church. I just, I sit there and I meditate and pray on the Lord. But 
if you enjoy singing and hanging out with your friends, you're not sacrificing for God. You're just taking what you already enjoy and adding God to it. Nothing wrong with that. But are is there sacrifice in your life? Is there anything yeah. that you're giving up? And if you tell me no, I just want to point something out. Nobody came to God with everything right. So if you're still the same person, then you might want to go back to the starting point and ask yourself, did I make the right turn? Because there's got to be something you let go of. There's no way you came to God with everything right. Like, well, I didn't have to get rid of anything. Everything was good. <laughs> really? You didn't have to give up anything? Yeah. You, you're living the same life? You didn't give up not nothing? Nothing? We can always yeah. give more. Amen, Sineda. And that's the thing. This isn't me talking down to y'all. I have things I need to continue to give up and let go of. And I feel like we're all yeah. should be working on that. But that's the goal. Every day, you should be Amen. letting go as much as possible of everything possible. And, and constantly trying to self, waking up. And let's go back to read what JD just read. And it's it's mighty inconvenient. Let, let's just be honest. It's mighty inconvenient having to die to yourself. Having to die to yourself daily is 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 it's it's not fun. It, it's your flesh doesn't want that. Your flesh wants to go and do what your flesh wants to go and do. If someone's offended you, you want to be angry. If if you see a cake and you want to eat it, you're gonna eat it. This is this is the this is the reality of the flesh. Um, gluttony and, and in America. Why. Yeah, I mean, this is why this guy, this is why Paul says, I appeal to you by the mercies of God. Notice he's not saying, if you want to be saved, do this. He's saying, I appeal to you, my brothers and sisters, by the mercies we have received. Be keeping in mind constantly the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. Keeping in mind the sacrifice that was made once for all men. Now you as a replication of the sacrifice made for you you replicate that sacrifice by sacrificing the things that you desire daily notice that if you've got the death burial and resurrection of christ jesus you've got the the we've gone through this if you've got the passion of the christ at the fourth at your frontal lobe at the forefront of every thought guess what's going to happen you're not going to and this is why he says by the mercies of God. So you look at the passion of the Christ and you keep that at the front, forefront of your mind 24-7. And this, again, goes in step with what I always say, and, and, and I've heard Mark say the same thing, about walking out the gospel. You can walk out the gospel if it is it if it's constantly in your if it's Amen. constantly in your view. If, if the gospel becomes an afterthought to you, guess what? So will sacrificial love. So okay. will dying to self. So will preaching. So will your prayer life. So will your Bible reading. So will everything else start to deteriorate if the gospel has become a distant memory to you. The passion of the Christ should be your constant fire in your bones. As uh, Jeremiah 20 verse 9, he says, I didn't want to speak of the Lord anymore, but the fire in my bones, I couldn't help myself. I have to talk about God. I have to tell people. I have to warn them because it is a fire within my bones. Do not allow the gospel to become a distant memory to you. It has to be right there in the forefront and I was I was having this conversation with brothers and sisters in Christ a couple of weeks ago, and I said to them, "You need to fall in love with truth again. What is truth? 
Jesus Christ said, John 17, 17, thy word is truth. Thy word is truth. And if his word says that he rose from the grave on the third day, and that because he rose on the third day, we are now justified and sanctified and we are restored and we are redeemed because of the finished work of Jesus Christ, then that's got to be at the forefront of every single day for the Christian. That's got to be the no. goal for the Christian. Finished. All hold of on, these other on. things, semantics, secondary issues, they, they have absolutely no impact on the world. Having a debate over... I Amen. Had I had Amen. to, bro. I was just letting that happen. Amen. Amen. Amen, man. Hey, I know we're getting close to the end of the episode, and I just wanted to take yeah, the Bible off screen, let JD talk that talk because it's like seriously, guys. I, I wish I could, I could just summarize my emotions with what JD just said. And, and every day I want to be able to explain it, but I can't because there's so many people out there that doubt the word of God and then cause people to question the gospel, uh, cause people to be in fear. Um, you know, I, I've witnessed people excited about God and other Christians purposely tear that down. And I'm just like, what Christian look <laughs> every day I become more and more uh, aware of how narrow the path is um, and, and how sad it is. I don't know, in the world of these anti-Christian Christians, anti-Christian Christians. Isn't that crazy? Um, mm. Man. That's that's honestly where I've been for this last week defending eternal security. So us talking about the gospel today and, and whatnot is really just something beautiful to constantly remind it. Because I love as you were talking, J.D., you know, all I can think about is how J.D. is constantly pointing at Christ right now. All I hear when I'm watching J.D. speak was what he has done, what he has done. And I'm sitting here listening to J.D. and I'm sitting here thinking about how J.D. isn't letting any eyes be on him right now or even on themselves. It's like J.D. snatching your eyes and saying, stop looking at yourself, stop looking at me and look at him. But yet I see these other people that are like, stop looking at Jesus. You're not worthy yet because you keep screwing up. Get your eyes back on yourself and go get on your high horse and fix it. And it's like. How do people not see where the problem lies here? Eyes on Christ. Eyes on Christ, people. Stop yeah. looking at the man that failed already. You came to him because you couldn't do it. There's really no reason to, I, I don't even understand that. And then there's so many misrepresentations of people like what JD believes. Because there's some people that would have heard everything JD just said. And they would have said, you're just making an excuse because you want to sin all you want. And it's so so disingenuous and so disrespectful yeah. that there are people out there that actually think that's what we believe. And I'm not just talking about me. Like it's not like I'm saying people attack me and I'm sad. There's millions of people that believe what we believe, and there's millions of people that will say, "Oh, you just want to sin all you want." Almost like they're projecting. JD, it's almost yeah. like deep down inside their walk because they haven't given it all to Jesus, they're still walking in the flesh. And therefore, they want these sins and they're fighting from it. Like, I can't have those. And then they see us thinking that we're running around sitting all we want because that's what they want. Yeah. And yet we think we're going to be saved. So like, wait a minute, I gave up all that stuff. How dare you not have to give up? Because in their, in their mind, we are doing whatever we want. I think yeah. they're projecting because they deep down inside want their sin, but I, they're doing better than me. They're... I'm not letting myself have it. You must be doing that over there. You just want to sin all you want. So you've made up this doctrine. 
No. Every time. I've right? never met Every someone time. who believes this doctrine in truth. Like, let me just say this. There are some people out there that believe in once saved, always saved. And once you hear them, you're like, no, that's not what I believe. It's completely mockery to what I believe. But people that truly believe the doctrine that I preach, I've never met one that looks down on sin in any way or not looks down on. I mean, um, undervalues sin or not undervalues. What's what I'm looking for? Plays out, plays down how dangerous it is. Is that the way? Because everyone I know that believes what I believe despises sin so much that they've realized that they could never be clean enough to be in God's presence. I would make yeah. the argument right now and say it with confidence that the people that believe in this doctrine, it's not that we don't look at sin the way that in, in as grave as y'all think it should be looked at or whatever you think. It's that we actually understand the gravity of sin. We're not, we're not naive to realize that if sin is as dirty as the Bible says it is, that I sinned enough yesterday to never be saved ever. So there's nothing I could do tomorrow that's worse than yesterday. Nothing. The the who I am from the last 26 years before I came to the Lord, because I came to him, you know, back then, that guy should that guy didn't even deserve to have the oxygen God gave him. Period. Period. So this idea, like uh uh, we don't understand the gravity of sin is mind blowing. Mind blowing. Yeah. So yeah, amen. I get bothered by that. <laughs> amen, and amen, and amen, and amen. And, and with that being said, I've got to go. I've got to get my kids to school. But uh, yeah, we we're about we, to end it up here. And, and this is how it goes. You see, and this is the this is the thing with 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 expository preaching. And 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 when you go into the scripture, we only managed to get halfway through. Uh, we can't. We you you can't go through the Bible. And uh, and and think oh well I've read the Bible and that's it. There is so much to unpack in the Bible. We've seen we've seen it ourselves when we read the Bible together. That sometimes you can only do two chapters because of the amount there is to unpack. Um, and sometimes it's straightforward, but other times it's not. Um, and and we're called to dil diligently study the scriptures um, in this way. So again, uh, I appeal to you all to stay in the word of God. Thank you for all your support and everybody that comes here every week and, and, and fellowships with Mike and I, we, we love you all um, very much. And uh, we are so appreciative of, of how God has worked through this, through this channel and um, through you all and um, everybody that's been involved in, in helping with, with donations. Again, all the links are in uh, Mike's bio for those of you that's, that still want to donate it's a uh, absolutely um, a beautiful cause and we thank god for what he's doing um and with that being said be blessed and i will see you guys uh on wednesday night um and uh, apologies for the bible reading that was on me uh last week we missed it, it because, it was on me. Uh, that was on me it was on me it was on me it was on me it's on me. It on me watch this ready ready jd no, he got me at the same yeah, time that I got him. I knew what no. you were gonna do. I knew you were gonna pop me. You're gonna pop me up. So I knew what you were gonna do. So that's that's. Yeah. It was all me. It was all me, guys. It was all me. I messed up. It was all me. It was all me. It was all me. I messed up. It wasn't all my. Grace and peace, guys. I love you all. I'll see you on Wednesday. <laughs> love you, brother. I'll chat to you soon. Love you, bro. Bye,
All right. Uh, so with that being said, it is the end of the episode. I am sorry that I was late, guys, but JD held it down. And as you saw, I kind of just wanted to let JD run with it. Once once I got here, I realized that uh, he was cooking, right? So I kind of just let this episode be his. I sat back and I enjoyed the show myself. So I appreciate you guys hanging out, though. Of course, we're going to keep going uh, over on TikTok with the after show as usual. Um, but if you would like to tune back in Wednesday, 830 Central, we're here every Monday and Wednesday. Make sure you hit the like, subscribe, share, all that stuff. I'm not an internet personality. This isn't what I do. So I trust that you know how to work YouTube and TikTok. Um, so if you enjoy it, come back. Uh, other than that, though, guys, we appreciate everything that you guys are doing. Everyone that has donated for the fundraiser, thank you so much. I have not been able to count uh, since this afternoon. But I believe that last we were there, we're like, we're scraping the edge. Uh, we're, we're above 90%. I, I can guarantee that because we're at 88% earlier. Um, so we might be at the goal. Um, we'll see. And I will definitely make sure you guys are aware once we calculate, count, and figure it all out. Um, and I cannot wait to send this out to the people that need it. Um, I have despised having to hold it. But obviously, you don't want to start sending it out until you get it all. Um, so, but yeah, I'm ready to get it out to them and bless them from you guys, not me. Uh, but God bless guys. Thank you so much for tuning in and hanging out with us. Uh, as always, we'll see you guys Wednesday. God bless. Peace.